Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Over the past year, since I've taken a big interest in metabolic health, insulin sensitivity, blood sugar regulation, in relation to hormone changes that happen in women 30 and older, I have looked at a lot of lab reports of women in my community and even women very close to me. And one of the most surprising discoveries on their labs is a hemoglobin A1C score in the pre-diabetic range. And even more surprising is that many of them had no idea because it wasn't ever mentioned during their follow-up appointment or even on the labs. In most cases, if anything was mentioned, the advice was to eat less and exercise more, the standard formula from a typical primary practitioner. This, this is a problem. If we are seeing patients with hemoglobin A1C blood test results of 5.6 or higher, we have got to say something because a score of a 5.7 and above is considered prediabetes heading towards type two diabetes. And what I know for sure is that prediabetes for almost everyone is reversible. And I know this to be true because I've helped dozens of women reverse it in the last year alone. So what's the deal with prediabetes and why should you care? For starters, prediabetes is not just a sign of future problems. It's an indicator that your body has current metabolic dysfunction. Your doctor can diagnose it through blood tests such as a hemoglobin A1C, fasting glucose, and or glucose tolerance test that reveals glucose higher than what is considered optimal, but not yet high enough to be considered type two diabetes. It's often a sign of elevated insulin and insulin resistance, which can lead to several chronic diseases. In short, prediabetes is ultimately a state of insulin resistance and inflammation. Currently, more than one in three American adults have it, and 84% of those have no idea. And no surprise, it's not a condition that you should ignore. Even pre-diabetic blood sugar levels can cause poor health outcomes, including cognitive decline, an increased risk of heart disease, and damage to blood vessels in the eyes that lead to diabetic retinopathy. Fortunately, most people can reverse prediabetes by making diet and lifestyle changes that can improve blood sugar control and reduce insulin resistance. So how do you even get prediabetes? As I mentioned, prediabetes is ultimately a state of insulin resistance. And insulin is a hormone that helps cells absorb glucose from the bloodstream after we eat foods containing carbs. When we consistently have elevated blood glucose levels, the body has to pump out levels of insulin to deal with it. Over time, high insulin levels can make cells numb to its effect, requiring more insulin to balance blood sugar, leading to a very vicious cycle. That's called insulin resistance. And over time, it can lead to chronic conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, PCOS, infertility, Alzheimer's disease, and so much more. As we learned in the latest episode with Dr. Sarah Godfried, heart disease is the number one killer in women today, and a lot of it has to do with metabolic dysfunction and poor blood sugar regulation. Now, the process of developing insulin resistance can start as many as 13 years before your elevated glucose levels begin to appear on a diagnostic blood test. And that's because the body can miraculously compensate for rising glucose for years, obviously over a decade, by simply secreting more and more insulin to overcome worsening insulin resistance. Unfortunately, this trend eventually ends in skyrocketing glucose triggered by two things. Insulin resistance becomes so severe that your body can't produce enough insulin to handle the high glucose load and insulin producing pancreatic cells lose function. It's important to note that there are other factors involved in causing prediabetes, including poor sleep, chronic stress, 
a sedentary lifestyle, family history, and gestational diabetes. So how do you even know if you've got prediabetes since 84% of people have no idea? Well, the best thing you can do is get your blood work done. And I recommend at least every year, if you've got levels that I'm gonna share with you right now, closer to the prediabetic range, I would start looking at those levels every three months. As I mentioned earlier, prediabetes is typically diagnosed by looking at overall glucose levels, either through a fasting glucose test, which looks at glucose concentration levels in your blood influenced by a recent meal, or with a hemoglobin A1C test that roughly captures your average glucose levels over the past three months. It's about how long a red blood cell or hemoglobin cell survives. For fasting glucose, the benchmarks are typically, and remember these are standard benchmarks. Normal is considered under 100 milligrams per deciliter. This is fasting, by the way. Prediabetes, 100 to 125 milligrams per deciliter, and diabetes higher than 125 milligrams per deciliter. For hemoglobin A1C, which I feel is a little bit more accurate, a normal benchmark is going to be 5.6 or lower. Prediabetes is 5.7 to 6.4, and diabetes is 6.5 or higher. Now, glucose tolerance is another marker for prediabetes, typically tested via an oral glucose tolerance test. If you've ever been pregnant, you did that test as well to see if you've got gestational diabetes, which is how quickly your body clears a glucose load. They often won't run this test until they start to see numbers in the prediabetic range, and then they will do usually an oral glucose tolerance test just to kind of make sure. Now, it's important to know that just being in a specific category does not mean that it's an optimal value. For example, a fasting glucose of 98 or 99 milligrams per deciliter Y is normal range. It's obviously at the highest of the normal range and is less than optimal than a fasting glucose in the 70s or 80s and should be lowered with diet and lifestyle changes. According to most recent research, once a fasting glucose rises over 100 milligrams per deciliter, metabolic syndrome is in full force effect. A fasting glucose of 90 milligrams per deciliter is already headed towards the danger zone. So just something to think about. If you go to your doctor and they run 90 milligrams per deciliter in your fasting, it is definitely an SOS sign. I optimally want to see fasting glucose in the 80s, preferably under 85. And I always want to see a hemoglobin A1C in the optimal range of like 5 to 5.4. Anything above a 5.5 heading towards a 5.7 is in the warning sign, the danger zone, something we got to do something about. So given the dangers of prediabetes, let's get to brass tacks. What does it take to reverse prediabetes and restore metabolic function so that you feel energized, focused, and firing on all cylinders so you can take care of what you need to take care of and you can reduce your risk for chronic disease down the line? Well, the top of the list when it comes to reversing prediabetes is not going to surprise you at all. It's what you eat. Hands down, the most powerful way to reverse prediabetes and type 2 diabetes is changing what you eat. Eating a metabolically healthy diet is key, filled with hormone-loving foods. Lots of green leafy vegetables, and honestly, all the vegetables. Seasonal fruits, gut-loving foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, along with seeds like chia and flaxseed. Not only will these plant foods fuel your cells, but also support and heal your gut. Since this topic is so dense, obviously I cannot do it justice even in this episode alone. I highly recommend checking out my episode 383 on how to build a metabolically healthy meal that's gonna optimize your energy levels, heal your gut and your liver. I go into all the nitty gritty details in this episode. In the meantime, if you are looking to start now, 
I do want to hook you up with my diabetes-friendly smoothie and shake guide that I will have in the show notes. My absolute favorite smoothies are in this guide and they are so easy to make. Just go to the show notes and grab it. And if you're wondering if your metabolism and blood sugar needs a little reset, if you're concerned, if maybe you're getting closer to a pre-diabetic range, or if you simply just want to feel better, I want to invite you to my game-changing yet gentle 14-day group detox, which is kicking off in early January with hundreds of people just like you and me, and you can sign up to join in just a few weeks. I will also have the details in about this game-changing detox program in the show notes. I've been doing it now. I want to say this is our fourth or fifth year running it. We've had thousands of people go through it. We've seen hemoglobin A1C levels drop. <laughs> I've seen triglyceride levels drop, cholesterol drop, and before and after labs. I've seen people come out of there reporting more clarity and energy, more stable blood sugar, better sleep overall, less anxiety, an average of 11 pounds released per person, and feeling lighter and more clear-headed. Over the last two years, I have done the program with a CGM on a continuous glucose monitor. And I am happy to report, I've had multiple people do this as well, that our blood glucose levels stayed in optimal range the entire time, which what I consider optimal is 70 milligrams per deciliter to 110 milligrams per deciliter. Like there was no spikes. We're talking about a straight stable blood sugar line because that's exactly what this protocol is all about. The other things they've noticed was some bonuses, clear skin, healthier hair, because gosh, when your body is feeling good, your cells have what they need to function, it'll start showing up in glowing hair and glowing skin, not just energy and clarity. I mean, man, it's just so much fun to see the results before and after. So again, I will have the link in the episode show notes, and it's just quite incredible what just 14 days can do for the vitality of your body. And best of all, you have so many people cheering you on. Okay, number two, movement, movement, movement. And by movement, I'm talking about walking every day if you can. Walking 30 minutes a day will upgrade your health, especially if those walks are after your biggest meals like lunch and dinner. The best movement is walking. I know, huh, who knew? You could do other things though. If you love jumping jacks, if you love burpees, if you love climbing stairs, if you love hikes, just be consistent about it. Walking to me is so many other benefits, the stress relief, the digestive benefit. It's easy on the joints. It's easy to do and connect with people, listen to a podcast. I mean, there's so many things that I do on my walks. The next best movement where the juice is really worth the squeeze outside of walking is gonna be weight training. Your muscle is your best friend and the more lean muscle, the better for regulating insulin and blood sugar. Muscle mops up excess glucose and it's one of our best regulators of blood sugar, hands down. So pick up the weights, that is gonna make a huge difference and a big dent in your blood sugar regulation. Number three, get high quality sleep. We know that poor sleep can impair glucose processing and increase insulin resistance, even over short periods. The reason may be because sleep deprivation can increase levels of hormones associated with the sympathetic nervous system known as fight or flight, right? We're talking cortisol, people. Cortisol is a major player for upregulating insulin resistance. Shorting yourself on sleep affects other hormones and also can affect regulating appetite. So you want to aim for a solid seven plus hours of sleep per night. And the best way to do that is have a solid sleep routine that is consistent. I have so many episodes where I talk about sleep routines and sleep hygiene. You can go and check out. Also, I personally take Magnesium Restore every night before going to bed, and it makes a world of difference. 
And then last but not least, because obviously stress is one of the reasons why sleep is messing with you, it's going to be mastering your stress. Stress also prompts the release of cortisol, adrenaline, and epinephrine. These stimulate the liver to create and release glucose and makes the liver acutely insulin resistant. And because of this, it's the reason for this is that we need quick fuel, right? Evolutionary, this may have made sense, making sure that our bodies have enough quick fuel as in glucose to respond to a threat so that you run, right? You run or fight. But today, when most stressors are physiological and psychological, this reaction just elevates our blood sugar levels, leaving us insulin resistant. Studies show that simple actions like meditation or walking or breathing can reduce glucose levels and improve glucose processing. I personally find that walking is a great stress reliever and you get so many side benefits. But if you're looking for ways to lower stress, I do talk a lot about that on the show, but I offer a ton of resources in my book, The EO Menopause Solution. Now, as a bonus... Here are some other surefire hacks that will stabilize your blood glucose and help facilitate insulin sensitivity, especially during the holidays, especially during times where you are, you know, indulging yourself more than other times. So feel free to integrate the hacks that you feel are the easiest, and you can also stack these hacks as well. So you can do more than one together. So let's go with number one. Break your fast with a savory meal of protein, healthy fats, and fiber. So don't have a sugary breakfast because your first meal of the day sets the tone for your metabolism for not only that day, but for the next two days. Heads up. Number two, start each meal with a big plate of veggies or a salad and feel free to include some fats and protein here and make a vinaigrette. Vinaigrette will help to blunt a blood sugar response. So we always start with a big salad before we have our meal and I make sure to make a really yummy vinaigrette. If you're looking for a vinaigrette recipe, again, my EO Menopause book has recipes in there. They are so delicious. Number three, eat your food in order. So fiber first, fill up on the vegetables, fill up on the green leafies, right? That's the deal. Then follow protein and some fat, then your carbs and starches. That way you can blunt those carbs and starches from hitting the blood sugar too fast. Number four, dress your carbs with protein and fats. So pair your apple with almond butter or pair your gluten-free toast with avocado and tomato, right? Just make sure you've got something to help blunt those fast processed carbs. Number five, go for a 20 to 30 minute walk after your meals, especially after dinner. The later it gets, the more insulin resistant we are naturally. So if you can walk after a meal, you have a better chance of regulating that blood sugar, kind of heading into deep restful sleep. Number six, have a dessert after a meal, not for a snack or for breakfast. So if dessert is on the menu, which I mean, I'm a fan of dessert. I love dessert. And there's some really yummy, healthy desserts out there. Pair it after a meal. Don't do it on its own. So if you're going to have a really hearty lunch and then you want to back that up with a gluten-free, dairy-free, chocolate brownie, whatever it may be, have it after lunch or have it after dinner. I personally feel like after lunch is the best because we're in a more thermogenic state during the day just naturally. We're not as much so in the nighttime. But if you do end up having dinner at night, try to have dinner earlier at night, then have that brownie and then take a walk and that'll really help support you as well. Next, drink a tablespoon of vinegar before a meal to curve a blood sugar spike or better yet, take berberine with your meal to curve a blood sugar spike. In my new herbal glucose balance supplement called Glucose Support, 
I incorporate berberine along with other super herbs. Not only do they reduce glucose and insulin levels, but also help to impact weight, LDLs, and triglycerides. I mean, what I love about glucose support is it's working with all facets of metabolic dysfunction to help restore metabolic function to an optimal place. So it's a great supplement to try, especially if you're struggling with getting blood sugar under control, because sometimes we just need a little extra help as we are integrating some of these lifestyle and diet changes. All right, there you have it. Now you've got the hacks. I would love to know which one are you gonna try this week? If you wanna hit me up on Instagram, I would love it. It's at Dr. Marisa. Or what you're gonna try during the holidays. I'm gonna tell you real quick what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be having savory breakfast, hands down. We always do that. Having every meal start with a big salad. Walking before or after dinner. I know right now it's darker at this time of the year. So we've been walking right before dinner, but we're gonna be walking throughout the day for sure. And then if I'm going to be doing dessert, I'm gonna be having dessert after a meal, not for a snack or breakfast. Those are the things I'm gonna be doing. I would love to hear the things that you're gonna be doing to help set yourself up for success so that you feel super good during the holidays and beyond. Now, if you are loving these tips today, if you learned something that you didn't know before, be sure to subscribe for more easy tips to heal your hormones and upgrade your health. And even better, take a moment, leave a quick review so that more women are benefiting from these episodes. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. 